Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. today last year on this day so i checked my little map history thing and a little location history and i checked my timeline and according to both my timeline and my little like location history uh i was home from august 3rd to august the 5th i didn't go anywhere last year 48 hours at least of not going anywhere staying right where i was i bet you i was happy as a little clam uh today's not going to be like that yesterday wasn't like that tomorrow's not going to be like that this year's August 3rd to the 5th is, well, school supplies and uh, lots of other errand running around and, well, redemption muffins to the hospital. That's a, that's a trip I'll be happy to make. Um, last year on this day, where were you? What were you doing? What was going on in your life? How have things changed? It is worth taking a moment to just sit down and settle in and ask yourself those kinds of questions. It was... A year ago today that an explosion rocked the city of Beirut, Lebanon. If you have not heard some of the first-person testimonies of that day, they, uh, they, fill, uh, they fill the news, and so finding them is not difficult if you wanted to look around. The testimonies of the woman who was uh, in labor, literally being wheeled from, um, you know, sort of the outer rooms into the room, into the delivery room um, when the explosion took place. The testimony of the family of a nurse who died uh, in the entry to the ER of that same hospital. The testimony of a woman whose two little girls were not seriously injured, but whose husband was severely injured and just what the experience was like and that she initially thought you know, this was some something, you know, like targeted, must have been targeted toward a neighbor in her building uh, until she was able to flag someone down in a passing car to help her transport her husband to the American hospital. And fortunately, that's where they went because unbeknownst to her, every other hospital in the city um, had been destroyed. And so uh, stories of life and death, stories of life utterly changing in a moment last year on this day. Now, we have covered then the story of essentially the collapse of Lebanon's economy in the aftermath of last year's explosion. So I just thought that it would be um, worth taking a deep breath this morning and asking ourselves, last year on this day, where was I? What was going on in my life? How have things changed? Where do I see God present and at work in the midst of all of that, even circumstances that I would not have chosen? Last year at this time, uh, we thought that we had largely crusted the COVID hump. Not not exactly where we are uh, this time this year. And then fast forward a year. 
Where do you expect to be on August the 4th, 2022? Where do you expect to be geographically? Where do you expect to be relationally? Where do you expect to be financially? Where do you expect to be vocationally? Where do you expect to be in terms of your pursuit of the king and the advancement of his kingdom? I offer up these words from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. In the spirit of where in the word are you today? Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. If Christ Jesus has made you his own, then you are in him, and he is in you, and that changes everything. Changes our understanding of where we are, the times in which we live, and the pursuit into which we press our, press our lives. All right, next up, I got Bill English. He and I are going to talk about some headline news of the day, specifically with an eye toward business. That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Bible Business. Bill English, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back. How are you doing this morning, Carmen? I am fantastic this morning. You know, I've heard fantastic. that about you. I've heard that. I'm good. I got up I got up earlier than usual today because my brother-in-law, who is in the hospital, requested last night some uh, of these muffins that I make. He knew we were um, making cider out of our apples, right? We got a big apple crop this year, which is great. Sure. So he knew we were pressing. He knew we were pressing those. And so he also then knows that the byproduct of that process is this like apple sludge, for lack of a better description. It's all the remnants. It's all the it's what's left over after you have pressed apples into cider. And uh, so I created this recipe a few years back, what we call redemption muffins. And so you can really <laughs> you can really only make them in terms of like super tasty and fresh you know, while you're in this cider process, because yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't hold up very well, and we found that freezing them is mm, marginally it's a marginal idea. Sure. So he said, sure. "Well, if I could have some redemption muffins, that might change everything." So I got up super early this morning and made redemption muffins, and I have tested one, and that might be what has added to my vitality this morning. I just I don't oh, know. Oh my it's possible. Well, you know, know, Paul, she may have to send a dozen up to the studio. I was hoping, it's, but I don't think they're going to transport that well. No, I think that when I'm up there for fall share, we should just make some. You oh, have okay. you're gonna bring a cider mm-hmm. press? <laughs> just saying, just asking. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get the see, apples. That's the, see, that's the complexity right there. Our cider press is like hundred and ten years old and it might weigh two hundred pounds. I mean it's a big hefty, heavy thing. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's okay. made out of Bodoc. Bodoc is the kind of wood. Yeah, it's crazy hard. There you go. That's what I got for you today. There's always a farm right. report. I, I feel like people appreciate it. Okay, so Bill. Yes. Business owners. There are lots of competing interests right now, lots of conflicting information from a variety of sources. So let's talk today to small business owners out there and large employers out there trying to navigate 
the newly turbulent waters of the ongoing COVID challenge. You know, maybe vaccinations, mask mandate, mask mandates, whatever. Take take a crack at this. Okay, so the CDC has published uh, some guidance on masking indoors for vaccinated people, and they are applying it to the uh, business environment. Now, there's a place you can go at the CDC. There's a link. You can look at your county, and they'll give you five gradations of whether your county is anything from no data all the way to very high risk. And if you're either in the substantial or the high risk, which are the top two categories, then in theory, you're supposed to uh, have everybody in your company mask again uh, because uh, whether they're vaccinated or not, because uh, they're finding that those who are vaccinated can still carry the Delta uh, variant and pass it along to other people. Uh, The fear is that the Delta variant is more um, contagious and more uh, serious than the original uh, coronavirus that we've been dealing with. And so out of an abundance of caution, they're asking uh, highly or even vaccinated people to mask if they're in a county with one of these two designations. Thing is, uh, the company that I run, um, you know, I have 670 employees. The company that I run last week was in the moderate category. This week is in the um, substantial category, which means in theory we should mask. But I don't know where we're going to be next week. And uh, there was no notification of a change. So uh, had I not gone out and looked at my county in prep preparation for this morning spot, I would not have known. I, I did go out and look initially. We're in the moderate category. I sent out an email to my entire staff saying we don't have to mask. And now uh, they, they changed the uh, designation. And somehow I'm supposed to know this as a business owner. This is the kind of confusion, the kind of kind of push-pull, the roller coaster that business owners are trying to traverse. And frankly, um, many of us are just getting very, very tired of this. The There is masking fatigue. There is uh, uh, pandemic. There's huge pandemic fatigue in this country. And, uh, and people are just starting to really wonder, does the CDC really understand what they're doing? And so this is the, this is the landscape for business owners. In unrelated but incredibly important news, uh, Jennifer has informed me that the University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum has an apple house where there are several big cider presses and they press cider every year in the fall. And maybe we could get some sludgy stuff from them to make redemption muffins during share, think, which is just six weeks away. I think in the trade it's called mash, right? Not sludge. <laughs> I think they call it mash. So just, just saying. Jennifer also has a longtime friend who has worked there for years with whom she is now going to put me in touch. <gasps> oh, I know. Have you ever I been know. to the Arboretum? No, I feel it's like beautiful. there's a field trip coming. There's yeah, all there's yeah. redemption muffins coming. Fall share this year, which is just six weeks away, is going to be different than anything we've ever done before, because now <laughs> there's going to be a field trip to the Arboretum, there's going to be the collection of mash and there's going to be the making of muffins. I, I just feel like it's a whole different, the the world has opened up in a whole new way. That's fun. That'll be I fun. Know. I know. We have to take a break. Yeah. Paul Paul's okay. going to tell us in a minute. We got to take a break. Um, hey, one of the conversations I want to have, Bill, when we come back. Uh, it, it, so it, 
as, there's a lot of pressure on people who, you know, they want their kids to go back to school. We're trying to make that happen. But there's is it happening? What's happening? How's it happening? And, and all the kinds of pressures that's putting on employment as well. Could we talk a little bit about that? Just just sort of the angst that employers and employees are in related to the ongoing question of school. Yeah, we try. Happy to talk all right, we're going to try. Yeah. We're going to try to have that conversation. That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. All right, continuing our conversation with Bill English, you can find him at bibleandbusiness.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Bible Business. Bill, let's just talk about the uncertainty related to school and the kinds of new pressures that's created on those trying to return to work, but then also on those who are employers. And, you know, just the how long do I hold a position for a person who may or may not be there? Those are really difficult decisions. Um, <clears throat> I have employees who are coming to me saying, look, we don't know what's going to happen with school. And uh, we need, uh, basically what they're saying is we need more flexibility in how we get our work done here because we don't know uh, what's going to happen with our kids at school. Uh, any parent, when faced between a choice between their kid and their work, they're probably going to choose their kid. They're not going to choose their work. And so employers are going to have to be more flexible here. Fortunately, uh, most employers have become pretty adept at uh, allowing, not allowing, but uh, enabling their employees to work from home. So I, I continue to see this work from home, uh, this this uh, trading off of time between in the office and at home as something that is going to continue. Uh, this, what I call flex time, uh, is is probably permanently ensconced in, in what we're going to be doing in, in business moving forward. So um, employers just got to be very flexible. They got to be understanding. And I think they, they've got to realize that um, the balancing family and work is much more difficult uh, with this pandemic. Having said that, as the pandemic ends, uh, they will find that some employees will use that maybe longer than what they should to try to get out of coming into the office. And employers need to be aware of that, too. All right. Um, I agree. I think those are all I'm, I was taking notes because I, I think those are all really helpful things for us to consider. When we think about uh, masks returning from cities to factories to stores to stores across town, um, when we think about vaccination requirements, um, it's a it's a moving target and it's a moving target. I mean, even in and out of this uh, of a series of stores in the same strip mall. Um, right. And so I don't know. How are you navigating that? How are you navigating all of that? Well, I, it's going to be difficult for retail uh, businesses to to navigate this. Look, I, I think the government is really going to start asking employers to be enforcers of the proof of vaccination. And I don't think that's going to be a good thing. What they're going to say, and New York is already doing this, what they're saying is do not serve customers unless they show proof of vaccination. I don't think that's a good thing. But at the same time, there's a business opportunity here. It seems to me that there will be an emerging industry here in America that's going to track uh, vaccination records and proof of and, and, and give and give a customer the ability to provide proof both to employers and uh, vendors, people that they're shopping at, that they have been fully vaccinated. Seems to me that it could become very common for restaurants 
retail establishments to be asking for proof of vaccination. That will be part of the employer's legal obligation to provide a safe working environment to their employees. And so they're going to ask the customers to provide that proof of vaccination, but no one's going to want to carry around a card. And quite frankly, (laughs) um, the retail establishments aren't going to want to have to keep track of all this HIPAA information. So it seems to me a third-party app, a third-party intermediary industry is going to uh, quickly emerge here. Uh, That will be the least intrusive way to do this. It seems to me that retail establishments will need to keep track of this information, but they'll do that through a third party who handles all the HIPAA compliance information. I think it's going to get difficult for a while. I think it's going to get complicated, and then the market will figure this out. I hope that government doesn't try to figure this out through regulations. Right, or some tiny little tattoo or some or something that makes all well because let me just tell you what's coming on you know there's going to be a renewed conversation about the mark of the beast it's totally coming and so we need to prepare ourselves um for that uh yeah yeah, i i mean i think that right and it's also then going to get us into a conversation about look if there are people who don't think you should have to show an id in order to vote it's really they're really going to be hard pressed to be motivated to show an ID to prove that they should be able to buy a hot dog. I'm just saying, like, it's, yeah, there's going to be a lot of sifting and sorting in the market. And you're right. the mar- That is how the market figures it out. That is how the market figures it out. So that's helpful. Yeah, it does. That's helpful as well. All right. Um, uh, so I, this is a... This is an, a business evolution thing that I just heard about on the radio, and I thought, you know, I, I'm going to ask Bill about that. So it sounds to me like these... Food delivery services, so Uber Eats, DoorDash, others among them, Grubhub, they are all moving into delivering other stuff as well. And well, that is, yeah. right, like that, like at one level that seems like, well, that seems perfectly obvious. And then at another layer, it seems like, wow, why didn't that happen earlier? So in addition to flowers, which is the one that I have heard advertised already, Like, what do you think would be the next thing that food delivery services should be adding to their delivery options? Well, groceries. Well, but see, I think they already do that. I think you can already, well, at least where I live, you can already get your groceries delivered through, um, yeah, there's a couple of grocery delivery services. So that's... And I can't remember the one that actually goes in and collects your groceries for you. It's not coming to mind right now. Well, Door da- oh. up, up, up here, Target does that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're the well, Target does everything Target. where you live. I know. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're Target centric <laughs> here. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, they will, the market will tell them what they need to be delivering that they're not delivering today. And that's what I love about the market uh, because the market usually spends its dollars in a very efficient way. Um, so what should Uber be delivering? I don't know, maybe maybe motor oil. I I, I really don't know. So <laughs> Well that was it was my opportunity to just, you know, catch you a little off guard this morning and ask you. Well, a and you did, question. and you did a very right. good job of that. I want to commend that's, you. That's what I'm here for, Bill. <laughs> keep it keep it light. Keep it zesty. There you go. <laughs> All right, Bill English. You guys need to read what he's writing at Bibleandbusiness.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Bible Business. Bill, as always, thank you for um, well, connecting us with what's happening in the marketplace and helping us do so in a way that, you know, is honest and good to who Jesus is. We appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. We're going to take a break for Breakpoint. We'll be right back. 
All right, next up, we've got Chip Ingram. You know him from Living on the Edge right here on the Faith Radio Network. He is joining me to talk about his brand new book, I Choose Peace, How to Quiet Your Heart in an Anxious World. There are times we are anxious for so many things, but as Christians, we're really supposed to be anxious for nothing. So what does that look like and how do we achieve that quiet centeredness that allows for us to live as a person of peace in a world where, well, peace comes at a premium. Chip Ingram, up next. This is Max Licato. The Scripture Hall of Fame that contains the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's Prayer, and John 3.16 should also display Philippians 4, 4-8. Celebrate God's goodness. Rejoice in the Lord always. Celebrate who He is, what He has done in your life, and celebrate His goodness, faithfulness, and forgiveness. Ask God for help. Verse 5 says, The Lord is at hand. Because of the Lord's nearness, we can ask Him for what we need. Leave your concerns with God. Verse 6 says, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Just take your concerns, then leave them in the hands of the Father. Verse 8, meditate on good things. Think about the things that are good and worthy of praise. We can transform our minds with conscious meditation on the good. C-A-L-M. Calm. What a joy to have back with us again today, a voice you hear at 5.30 a.m. every single day and again at 11 a.m. here on the Faith Radio Network. You know him as Chip Ingram. The program is Living on the Edge. I am going to call him today by his given name, Ralph. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. (laughs) Well, Carmen, thank you. And that that was a secret until no one ever knew that until 9-11. And then when I travel, they dug out a birth certificate, and we all learned that was my real name. So uh, the secret's out. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you with us today. Um, All right, so Chip, the brand new book is I Choose Peace, How to Quiet Your Heart in an Anxious World. Uh, Life is complex. Conflict is real. Can we really live in what Paul describes as the secret of being content? Can we really live in contentment and peace in the midst of a world fraught with anxiety? You know, we really can, but it it is a challenge. It was a challenge for the disciples where their world was upside down and persecuted and fearful and uncertain. And Jesus said, I give you peace. It's a gift. And then much of the New Testament unpacks, yes, it's a gift, but it's also a choice where we have to avail ourselves of the gift that God's given us. And so, yes, we can, but I, I, I would say we uh, experience it, and then if we're human, we'll probably lose God's peace and then experience it again. And I think that's why the apostle would later say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And um, so, yes, and that's what this book is about. And I think, at least in my lifetime, there's probably never been more causes for lack of peace, anxiety, uncertainty, pandemics, um, financial issues, relational issues. It's It's been a wild season. 
And I think one of the things, Carmen, that will be most powerful is um, those that don't know Christ meeting people that in the midst of all of this don't have a blind eye, but have a genuine peace. Yeah, amen. I, I want to be a person of peace. I want to be a person of peace in my home. I want to be a person of amen. peace in my work, in my relationships, um, in my community, in the world. I'm talking with pastor, author, and teacher Chip Ingram. We are talking about his brand new book, I Choose Peace, in which he unpacks Philippians chapter 4. It's going to show us how to choose peace in our relationships, particularly in the midst of relational conflict, but in anxious moments in life, in the context of the broken world, difficult circumstances. The book uh, is available, and we've got copies to give away. So if you're listening right now and you would like to enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away in studio, you know the drill. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Chip, let's um, let's jump in a little bit uh, to Philippians chapter 4. Why don't you give people a little bit of an overview just in terms of what you're digging around in um, in in this piece is a choice conversation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, <clears throat> the context of a Philippian church in a very volatile world, these people come to Christ. And and most of us know, if we've heard someone teach through Philippians, oh, it's all about joy. And that is very, very true. And then at the end of chapter three, he gives us this context that our real citizenship, the anchor of our life is a citizen of heaven. And then he says, therefore, you know, <laughs> Uh, let let your forbearing spirit or let, let the way that you live play out. And then he walks through a conflict between these two very godly women that can't get along and are causing a disturbance and they need some outside help. So even though they love one another, uh, it's normal to have conflict in relationships. Uh, I love what you said. You prayed in my home. <laughs> We're always going to have those and at work and, and at church and in my small group. And then he shifts that to knowing there's anxieties in the world. He gives us not just prayer, but a very specific way to pray that addresses anxiety with the promise that we can have peace that actually transcends our mental comprehension. And then he shifts around after that and says, you know, that's a, that's a, in the immediate moment. And then in verses 8 and 9, he'll say, um, there's certain practices that you need to put into your life as you're bombarded with information and negativity and difficulty, that if you do that, the God of peace will be with you. And then as you really quoted, Carmen, he, he then makes this kind of outrageous claim that he has learned the secret of being content in any circumstance, whether he's got a lot or little. And wow, what a, um, what, what a need and desire that is for all of us. So uh, he moves from that to talking about, you know, what do you do when you're afraid that God's not going to supply your needs, which if you've lost your job in COVID or have had struggles there. So I I don't know that there's a more relevant teaching in the New Testament for us than this right now. And then getting getting it in a way where people can understand what's that look like for me in my everyday life. That was my that was my prayer. One of the conversations my husband and I have about the book of Philippians is the mind of Christ and how mm. Paul you know, acknowledges the mind of Christ that operates in Jesus and then demonstrates how the mind of Christ operates in Paul and then turns to everybody else and said, and, you know, and let this mind also be in you. And I feel like the, the, that's a huge part of the secret 
right? That yes, it is. this is all about Jesus and not all about me. And it's not, and it's about this God perspective on things, not just this immediate um, circumstance that I find myself in. So when we come back from a very brief break, Chip, I'm wondering if you and I could just walk through um, the five steps in the um, relational conflict chapter so we can just demonstrate to people sort of what's the content of the book. Could we do that? Because sure. one of the things that's in there is about that perspective conversation. So would that be Absolutely. a good way to go forward? All right. I'm talking with Chip Ingram. We're talking about his new book, I Choose Peace, How to Quiet Your Heart in an Anxious World. We are giving away copies. Text the word book to 877-933-2484, and we'll be right back. All right, picking up where we left off with Chip Ingram. The book is I Choose Peace, How to Quiet Your Heart in an Anxious World. Just a reminder, we're giving away copies today. If you'd like to enter the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. So, Chip, let's um, let's look at the chapter on uh, resolving relational conflict or choosing peace. Maybe I should put it this way. Choosing peace when there is relational conflict. What are the steps you walk us through? Well, they all come right out of the text. And, and you know, it's very interesting to me having uh, majored in psychology and undergraduate and did some graduate work there, uh, how uh, insightful uh, scripture is. Step number one for those right now in a relational conflict or they know someone and this person is saying, hey, would you help me, is stop procrastinating. Of all the things that we do we just don't deal with the issue. We It'll get better somehow. It'll heal over time, all that stuff. And you have to stop procrastinating. I think the second uh, step is to reevaluate your expectations uh, of the person in question and then also of the solution. In other words, sometimes we expect, oh, it's going to go fast. It's going to be easy. Pause for a moment. I mean, Barnabas and Saul could not be more godly and they had such a sharp disagreement that they went different paths. We got to get our expectations. What can we expect of this person, their maturity, their background? Where are they coming from? What's going on in their life? Uh, and, and I would say this, too, is that the third step, I think, has been super helpful. If you have conflict with someone and every time you go about trying to solve it, 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 it either gets unresolved or it gets worse instead it gets better. Step three is get some competent outside help. It could be a mature friend, it could be a pastor, uh, may need need to be a Christian counselor, but you stop procrastinating. Uh, We talk about how to readjust your expectations. You get competent outside help. And and then this this is one where this is you do privately. Refuse to allow one relationship to ruin your life. Um, I've got a situation right now that um, is difficult and challenging in a relationship. And I just found myself fixating on it. You know, I'm taking a walk in prayer and, and, and then the thought comes to my mind and how to address it. And instead of praying, I'm actually I'm, find myself talking out loud about all the issues and what I should say or what I should do. And I realize this one unresolved conflict that I need to address uh, starts dominating my mind. And I want to encourage the, those of you that are just refuse to let one relationship ruin your life. And and part of that is what we'll talk about later, Carmen, that you said is where do we set our mind? 
And then finally, this has been a great one, is step number five, or what Paul teaches is, remember that a right response is more important than being right. You know, so much of it can be, this is not fair, this is not right, and I presented my case, and they don't get it, and blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the day, God is going to be far more pleased with, okay, I'm going to respond rightly, as opposed to, I was proven right. So you said the word mindset. Um, I think the question for many of us is, you know, not not only where is my mind set, but where are my eyes set? You know, mm-hmm. what has my attention? What has my focus? I think we would use the larger word perspective here. Help us shift our focus. I mean, one of the things you say um, in the book is a discussion about, you know, shifting the focus from people and problems to God. What What does that look like to you know, like literally change my mindset, change the way I'm thinking about something simply by changing the way that I'm looking at something. Well, what we have to understand is we tend to think that our our world is about just external behaviors, or some people will move it back and go, well, it's about my emotions and how I feel, and I feel this or I feel that. Uh, Carmen, uh, everything begins with our thinking. As a man or woman thinks in his heart, so you become. And our thinking is always influenced by what's the information that's coming into our mind. And if you talk with friends that will sort of ignite, you know, he's terrible, he's unloving, he's not caring, he's not the kind of husband, she should be doing this, she's not affectionate. If you keep talking with friends about all the problems you have with your mate or another person, all that does is that's shaping your mind. Or uh, on the contrary, if you uh, find yourself not even willfully, but just passively listening to the news, you'll find these were three murders. This was the flood in this country. Here's fires burning in California. And your mind will get bombarded with uh, a pile of not just negativity, but all the bad things are happening, not in your tiny world, but in the whole world. And you start believing God made our minds to work like this. You start believing it's an unsafe place. Bad things are going to happen to you. Uh, I, I have some research there uh, that I share in the book where people that for a, a it was like a 10 year period, they would listen to only five minutes of negative news and a control group that didn't. I mean, five minutes, not watching anything, a University of Tennessee study. And they found themselves to be less caring. They wouldn't get involved, believe negative things were going to happen to them. Uh Everything revolves around our thinking, and that's why the Apostle Paul is going to say to us, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. He's going to say, don't be anxious, but instead pray in a way where you adore and worship God, where in the midst of your challenges, you actually give thanks for what you do have instead of focusing on what you don't have, and then bring those requests and leave them there, and the promise is God's peace. And um, so it's a battle. I, you know, I, boy, I think it's a battle for all of us. And as simple as it sounds, um, I would encourage people to do a little media fast. Just, just try it. 24, 48 hours. Don't scroll. Don't post. No social media. No TV. Just for 48 hours and watch what happens. And in that time, take one small passage, maybe a a little section. For me, it's Colossians 3, like 12 through 17. Meditate on that. Maybe not even memorize it, but just keep reading it over. Memorize. And you will find that there is a, a, a visceral thing that will happen. 
in your emotions and in your heart rate and your life as put on a heart of compassion and kindness, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, beyond all the things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. As you ponder those things, even for 48 hours, over and over, and put a lid on all the problems and the challenges, what you'll begin to do is you'll get a taste of how you can experience peace. And then, of course, we live in a real world, so you need to stay in touch with what's going on. But now you know uh, I need to get a lot more godly input by people, by information, by the word, than I am by bombarding myself with just almost unconsciously um, both people and information that will tell me you don't measure up, this is a problem, life is bad. Those messages go from our head to our emotions, to our behavior, to our mouth. It's a reminder of Paul's um, admonition to Timothy about, you know, I mean, he doesn't say it this way, but, you know, like, what are you full of? And, you know, exactly. it's, this is exactly the conversation, like whatever I fill my life with, if I fill my life with negative media that's reinforcing negative messaging, I'm going to be full of that. And when the world squeezes me as it's going to, like we, sh- we expect that, then what comes out of me is going to be a lot of really negative stuff. And I am going to be very anxious. Um, so I like this, uh, this counsel to do something very specific, a 48-hour media fast, and not just to fast, but to then fill my life, right. my mind, my heart. So it's not that I'm just fasting from, I am then filling positively with a text like Colossians 3, 12 to 17. That's a really great, very practical, tangible thing um, that every single one of us could do today. Um, my guest is Chip, Chip Ingram. We are talking about his book, I Choose Peace, How to Quiet Your Heart in an Anxious World. We do have copies to give away. If you'd like to enter that drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. And if you're not listening to Living on the Edge, it's the half hour before we come on air. So 5.30 a.m. every single day here on the Faith Radio Network. Be sure and tune in and you can grab other resources from Chip and connect with the rest of the Living on the Edge ministry at livingontheedge.org. Chip, as always, thank you so much um, for joining us. We just loved it. My my joy, Carmen. Thanks so much. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll be right back. All righty. Where in the word are you today? And what are you doing in terms of allowing the word to do its work before you get out there in the into the world that God so loves. So here's sort of the formula. And Chip and I talked about this, right? So it's one thing to say, all right, here are the handful of things I'm going to stop doing or not do or fast from. But what am I then going to fill those spaces and places with? You can't just create a void, right? There's a, there is an actual expulsive power of a new affection. So how do I increase my capacity for heaven, increase my capacity for loving God, knowing God, serving God by creating some space, right? Some margin in my life, things that I have been filling up with. So I read a stat from Lifeway Research related to just how much time 
Christians are spending on social media versus time Christians are spending in the Word of God. So just do this little test for one day. One day. One day of testing in your own life. A little scientific research in your own life. Keep track of how much time, cumulatively, you spend. And I won't just say social media here. Consuming things that go beyond just the Word of God to actually the amount of time you spend in the Word itself, in actual, intentional, concentrated time in the Word of God. My guess is there's going to be a gap there between how much time we spend in the Word and how much time we spend in, well, worldly resources of information, even though it may be inspirational. So just do that little test and then see if you can't create more time in the Word of God today. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.